You're listening to Nick Treadwell's Storyville. Chapter 4 The wind sighs through the grass, sighs in the sunshine. It has drifted the butterfly eastwards along the hill. A few yards away there lies the skull of a lamb on the turf, white and bleached, picked clean long since by cows and ants, like the faint ripple of the summer sea sounding in the hollow of the ear, so the sweet air ripples in the grass. The ashes of the man interred in the tumulus are indistinguishable. They have sunk away like rain into the earth, so his body has disappeared. I am under no disillusion. I am fully aware that no demonstration can be given of the three stepping stones of the cavemen. The soul is inscrutable. It is not in evidence to show that it exists. Immortality is not tangible. Full well I know that reason and knowledge and experience tend to disprove all three, that experience denies answer to prayer. I am under no delusion whatever. I grasp death firmly in conception as I can grasp this bleached bone, utter extinction, annihilation, that the soul is a product at best of organic composition that it goes out like a flame. This may be the end. My soul may sink like rain into the earth and disappear. Wind and sea, sea and night and day. What then? Let my soul be but a product. What then? I say, it is nothing to me. This only I know, that while I have lived now, this moment, while I live, I think immortality. I lift my mind to a fourth idea. If I pass into utter oblivion, yet I have had that. The original three ideas of the cavemen became encumbered with superstition. Ritual grew up and ceremony and long ranks of souls were painted on propriety, waiting to be weighed in the scales and to be punished or rewarded. These cobwebs grotesque have sullied the original discoveries and cast them into discredit. Erase them all together and consider only the underlying principles. The principles do not go far enough, but I shall not discard all of them for that, even supposing the pure principles to be illusions and annihilation the end. Even then, it is better. It is something gained to have thought them. Thought is life. To have thought them is to have lived them. Accepting two of them as true in principle, then I say that these are but the threshold For 12,000 years, no effort has been made to get beyond that threshold. These are but the primer of soul life, the merest hieroglyphics chipped out, a little shape given to the unknown. Not tomorrow, but today. Not the tomorrow of the tumulus, the hour of the sunshine now. This moment give me to live soul life, not only after death, Now is eternity. Now I am in the midst of immortality. Now the supernatural crowds around me. Open my mind. Give my soul to see. Let me live 
it now on earth, while I hear the burying of the larger bees, the sweet air in the grass, and watch the yellow wheat wave beneath me, sun and earth and sea, night and day, these are the least of things, give me soul life. There is nothing human in nature, the earth, though loved so dearly, would let me perish on the ground, and neither bring forth food nor water. Burning in the sky, the great sun, of whose company I have been so fond, would merely burn on and make no motion to assist me. Those who have been in an open boat at sea without water have proved the mercies of the sun, and the deity who did not give them one drop of rain dying in misery under the same rays that smile so beautifully on the flowers. In the south the sun is the enemy. Night and coolness and rain are the friends of man. As for the sea, it offers us salt water which we cannot drink. The trees care nothing for us. The hill I visited so often in days gone by has not missed me. The sun scorches man and willing his naked state roast him alive. The sea and the fresh water alike make no effort to uphold him if his vessel founders. He casts up his arms in vain. They come to their level over his head, filling the spot his body occupied. If he falls from a cliff, the air parts. The earth beneath dashes him to pieces. Water he can drink, but it is not produced for him. How many thousands have perished for want of it? Some fruits are produced which he can eat, but they do not produce themselves for him, merely for the purpose of continuing their species. In wild, tropical countries, at the first glance there appears to be some consideration for him, but it is only on the surface. The lion pounces on him, the rhinoceros crushes him, the serpent bites, insects torture, disease racks him. Disease worked its dreary will even among the flower-crowned Polynesians. Returning to our own country, this very time which since my fingers did not grow for that purpose, but for its own, so does the wheat beneath. We utilise it, but its original and native purpose was for itself. By night it is the same as by day. The stars care not. They pursue their course revolving, and we are nothing to them. There is nothing human in the whole round of nature. All nature, all the universe that we can see, is absolutely indifferent to us. And except to us, human life is of no more value than grass. If the entire human race perished at this hour, what difference would it make to the earth? What would the earth care? As much as for the extinct dodo, or for the fate of the elephant now going. On the contrary, a great part, perhaps the whole of nature and of the universe is distinctly anti-human. The term inhuman does not express my meaning. Anti-human is better. Outer human, in the sense of beyond, outside, almost grotesque in its attitude towards, would nearly convey it. Everything is anti-human. How extraordinary! Strange and incomprehensible are the creatures captured out of the depths of the sea. The distorted fishes, the ghastly cuttles, the hideous eel-like shapes, the crawling shell-encrusted things, the centipede-like things, monstrous forms to see which gives a shock to the brain. 
They shock the mind because they exhibit an absence of design. There is no idea in them. They have no shape, form, grace or purpose. They call up a vague sense of chaos, chaos which the mind revolts from. It would be a relief to the thought if they ceased to be and utterly disappeared from the sea. They are not inimical of intent towards man, not even the shark, but there the shark is, and that is enough. These miserably hideous things of the sea are not anti-human in the sense of persecution. They are outside, they are ultra and beyond. It is like looking into chaos, and it is vivid because these creatures, interred alive a hundred fathoms deep, are seldom seen so that the mind sees them as if only that moment they had come into existence. Use has not habituated it to them, so that their anti-human character is at once apparent and stares at us with glassy eye. But it is the same in reality with the creatures on the earth. There are some of these even now to which use has not accustomed the mind, such, for instance, as the toad, at its shapeless shape appearing in an unexpected corner, many people start and exclaim. They are aware that they shall receive no injury from it, yet it affrights them. It sends a shock to the mind. The reason lies in its obviously anti-human character. All the designless, formless chaos of the chance-directed matter, without idea or human plan, squats there, embodied in the pathway. By watching the creature and convincing the mind from observation that it is harmless and even has uses, the horror wears away, but it still remains the form to which the mind can never reconcile itself. Carved in wood, it is still repellent. Or suddenly there is a rustle like a faint hiss in the grass and a green snake glides over the bank. The breath in the chest seems to lose its vitality. For an instant, the nerves refuse to transmit their force of life. The gliding yellow streaked worm is so utterly opposed to the ever-present idea in the mind. Custom may reduce the horror, but no long pondering can ever bring that creature within the pale of the human idea. These are so distinctly opposite and anti-human that thousands of years have not sufficed to soften their outline. Various insects and creeping creatures excite the same sense in lesser degrees. Animals and birds in general do not. The tiger is dreaded but causes no disgust. The exception is in those that feed on offal. Horses and dogs we love. We not only do not recognise anything opposite in them, we come to love them. They are useful to us, they show more or less sympathy with us. They possess, especially the horse, a certain grace of movement. A gloss, as it were, is thrown over them by these attributes and by familiarity. The shape of the horse to the eye has become conventional. It is accepted. Yet the horse is not in any sense human. Could we look at it suddenly without previous acquaintance, as at strange fishes in a tank, the ultra-human character of the horse would be apparent. It is the curves of the neck and the body that carry the horse past without adverse comment. Examine the hind legs in detail and the curious backward motion, the shape and anti-human curves become apparent. 
Dogs take us by their intelligence, but they have no hand. Pass the hand over the dog's head, and the shape of the skull to the sense of of feeling is almost as repellent as the form of the toad to the sense of sight. We have gradually gathered around us all the creatures that are less markedly anti-human. Horses and dogs and birds, but they are still themselves. They originally existed like the wheat for themselves. We utilize them, but they are not of us. There is nothing human in any living animal. All nature, the universe as far as we can see, is anti or ultra-human, outside and has no concern with man. These things are unnatural to him. But no course of reasoning, however tortuous, can nature and the universe be fitted to the mind, nor can the mind be fitted to the cosmos. My mind cannot be twisted to it. I am separate altogether from these designless things. The soul cannot be wrestled down to them. The laws of nature are of no importance to it. I refuse to be bound by the laws of the tides, nor am I so bound. Though bodily swung round on this rotating globe, my mind always remains in the centre. No tidal law, no rotation, no gravitation can control my thought. Centuries of thought have failed to reconcile and fit the mind to the universe, which is designless and purposeless and without idea. I will not endeavour to fit my thought to it any longer. I find and believe myself to be distinct, separate, and I will labour in earnest to obtain the highest culture for myself, as these natural things have no connection with man. It follows again that the natural is the strange and mysterious, and the supernatural the natural. There being nothing human in nature or the universe, and all things being ultra-human and without design, shape or purpose, I conclude that no deity has anything to do with nature. There is no God in nature, nor in any matter anywhere, either in the clouds or on the earth or in the composition of the stars. For what we understand by the deity is the purest form of idea, of mind, and no mind is exhibited in these. That which controls them is distinct altogether from deity. It is not force in the sense of electricity, nor a deity as God, nor a spirit, not even an intelligence, but a power quite different to anything yet imagined. I cease, therefore, to look for deity in nature or the cosmos at large, or to trace any marks of divine, divine handiwork. I search for traces of this force which is not God, and is certainly not the higher than deity for whom I have written. It is a force without a mind. I wish to indicate something more subtle than electricity, but absolutely devoid of consciousness, and with no more feeling than the force which lifts the tides. Next, in human affairs, in the relations of man with man, in the conduct of life, in the events that occur, in human affairs generally everything happens by chance. No prudence in conduct, no wisdom of, or foresight can affect anything, for the most trivial circumstance will upset the deepest plan of the wisest mind. As Zenon observed in old times, wisdom is like casting dice and determining your course by the number that appears. Virtue, humanity and best and most beautiful conduct is wholly in vain. The history of thousands of years demonstrates it.
In all these years, there is no more moving instance on record than that of Danae, when she was dragged to the precipice 2,000 years ago. Sophron was governor of Esophus, and Laodice plotted to assassinate him. Danae discovered the plot and warned Sophron, who fled and saved his life. Laodice, the murderess in intent, had Danae seized and cast him from a cliff. On the verge, Danae said that some persons despised the deity and they might now prove the justice of their contempt by her fate. For having saved the man who was to her as a husband, she was rewarded in this way with cruel death by the deity. But Laodice was advanced to honour. The bitterness of these words remains to this hour. In truth, the deity, if responsible for such a thing or for similar things which occur now, should be despised. One must always despise the fatuous belief in such a deity. But as everything in human affairs obviously happens by chance, it is clear that no deity is responsible. If the deity guides chance in in that manner, then let the deity be despised. Apparently, the deity does not interfere, and all things happen by chance. I cease, therefore, to look for traces of the deity in life, because no such traces exist. I conclude that there is an existence, a something higher than soul, higher, better, and more perfect than the deity. Earnestly, I pray to find this something better than God. There is something superior, higher, more good. For this I search, labour, think and pray. If after all there be nothing and my soul has to go out like a flame, yet even then I have thought this while it lives, while the whole force of my existence, with the whole force of my thought, mind and soul, I pray to find this highest soul, this greater than deity, this better than God. Give me to live the deepest soul life now and always with this soul. For want of words I write soul, but I think it is something beyond soul.